I don't know how to tell you this, but we're live. I know we're live because I saw you press play after I said we were ready. I'm, I'm that good. Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records Punk Goes series to answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah nah. Yeah, perfect. Mm. How are you? I am good. How are you? That sounded very objective. I am good. How are you? I am good. I am good. How are you? I'm good. I watched a movie today called Raw which is a French, a lovely little French movie. It's a, a coming-of-age story about a one young girl's journey into cannibalism. So... Well, shit. I published reports all day. Yeah. So, pretty pretty interesting days for mm, the two of us. Yeah. Well, yours is more interesting. Mine was just I watched a movie. So... I, I got nothing... Yeah, no, it was, look, I'll just say it was a good movie, um, even though, like, the subject matter was... Ugh. Yep, uh, yeah, that sounds bleak. And I ain't lying about it. Tell us what we are doing this week, please. We are looking at Love the Way You Lie by... It's not classified as part one, is it? It's just Love no, the Way You Lie. No. Uh, by Eminem featuring Rihanna... As covered by a Skylit Drive for Punk Goes Pop Volume 4. Cool. So Eminem, I, uh, look, we did Rihanna not that long ago, so we're not really uh, going into too many Rihanna facts. No. But this is our first and maybe only Eminem song. I'm not too sure. I think it is, at least so far. I'm trying to think of like what else could be covered in this style of his, but probably a lot. Like You could probably do a metalcore version of uh, Lose Yourself, maybe. Yeah. So Eminem, born Marshall Bruce Mathers the third, mm-hmm. was born in nineteen seventy-two, and funnily enough, he's not royalty. <laughs> I feel like you only get called the third if you're like royal or like a duchess or something. But no, you get called the third if you have one of those families that is in, intent on naming all of their sons after their fathers. Yeah, like, you're not that creative, but you also feel like your name needs to live on and, like, you've got a regular-ass name. Like, oh, not, Marshall's not entirely regular, but it's pretty regular. It's it's a very American name. Yeah. Marshall Bruce Mathers III. Marshall Bruce Mathers III. 
Uh, his parents were in a band called Daddy Warbucks before they separated. Okay. His father later left for California, and as a teenager, Eminem wrote many letters to his father, Bruce. Oh, his father's name is Bruce, so it's... So then it's probably, like, after his grandfather or something. Yeah. With his father's first name, that is his middle name. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? However, his mother, Debbie, admitted all the letters came back to him marked return to sender, which is pretty sad. Yeah, it's... That's shit. Yeah. As someone who who doesn't know what that's like, I can only look at it and go, that's pretty sad. Well, it's just like a family that's so hell-bent on preserving their bloodline and the bloodline is that broken. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, So with an interest in storytelling, Eminem aspired to write comic books before discovering hip-hop. At the age of 14, he began rapping with his high school friend, Mike Ruby. They adopted the names Mannix, that's Mannix with an X, and Eminem. The latter, because it is the initials for Marshall Mathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did I did learn that eventually, but it did take me a long time to learn that that's why he was Eminem. Yeah. Uh, Eminem, funnily enough, alongside friend and fellow D12 member, Proof, would sneak into neighbouring Osborne High School to compete in lunchtime freestyle rap battles. They attended open mic contests at the hip-hop shop on West Seven Mile, a scene considered... Ground zero for the Detroit rap scene. So, is that what Eight Mile's about? But he just bastardized Seven Mile, or like made it a fake place. Well, Eight Mile's real. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, Eight Mile's definitely real. Okay. Uh, so this is just next to it. I mean, I mean, it, it that kind of sounds like the prelude to Eight Mile because that's in high school. Yeah. Whereas Eight Mile was in. God, it was just a club, wasn't it? I mean more in terms of location, like... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I assume that 8 Mile is somewhere down the road from West 7 Mile. Pretty close to, I would imagine. Any any Detroiters out there, uh, hit us up. Let any us... Detroitmen. Any, De- any Detroitmen. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, did you ever listen to D12? Uh... The Dirty Dozen, even though there was only like six of them? No, I was entirely too old when I realised that D12 stood for Dirty Dozen, and I think the only D12 song I know is Purple Purple Pills. Pills. Yeah, or uh, I don't know if it was if it was just over here, but I'm pretty sure it got censored to Purple Hills. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and in the in the um, in the song, it was yeah they talked about Purple Hills instead of Purple Pills. yeah, I I had that album when I was twelve. When oh. I was when I was a little D twelve and understood so few of the things that they were talking <laughs> about. Um, and I think my parents did as well because it never got taken away from me. So, sure. yeah, uh, he garnered attention after the creation of his Slim Shady alter ego, a darker persona for Eminem, that was created to express his anger. I mean, he's a pretty angry dude, even when he's not being slim. Like, even just listening to this song, it's like his cadence is very jagged. Yeah. Um, like, and that's always been his thing, I guess. Is like, except for the, except for, I think, I don't know if it's on every album, but like, from like, was it the Marshall Mathers show or whatever that came out in like 2002? The Eminem show? The Eminem show, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that like had the song with his, 
with his then like what six or seven year old daughter. Hayley. Yeah, my dad's gone crazy. And or... it's, yeah, but even then, I think he still has that sort of like angry kind of cadence. I think he's always had it, hasn't he? Yeah, Somewhat. I think that's that's his signature, I guess. Yeah, yeah, kind of like his year boy. Does he do that? No, no, like his signature. How like Flavor Flav's signature was oh. was year boy. Sorry, I didn't and hear like, you say Flavor Flav explicitly. I thought I you... didn't. I said okay. his like his. I should have said his take on or something right. like that. Okay, like, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so he was discovered by an intern that worked for Interscope Records after he placed second at the 1997 Rap Olympics. I tried looking into this and I couldn't really find anything. I was about to say that immediately. The Rap Olympics. Yeah, that immediately introduces two questions for me. So question one is, what is the Rap Olympics? Aside from exactly what it sounds like, I assume. And question two, who placed first in 1997? What you should also be asking is, do they get medals uh, as well? That's true. I'm not even joking. Like, <laughs> do they do I'm... they get medals? Oh, I, no, actually, I think I, I looked it up. Who won the Rap Olympics 1997? So Eminem took an L at 1997 Rap Olympics. That's thing. a bit rude. It's not an L. He just came second. Uh, much like the 2002 film Eight Mile, Eminem found himself face to face with some vicious battle rappers ready to lyrically stomp him into the ground. And yes, he typically emerged victorious. Uh, I'd have to go through an actual article to find out who it was that won. That's generally how articles work. Hang on. So I think... The winner was a rapper by the name of Otherwise, with a Z. Ah, of course. It was, uh, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have thought otherwise, ah. uh, that it would have been with a Z. So the winner of the event would receive $500 and a Rolex watch. That's pretty good. I mean... Unless it's like the cheap end of the Rolex. I think even like a cheap Rolex would still like be a few thousand. Cheapest Rolex. How much is that? I don't know. Cheapest Rolex watch. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, it's an interesting one, though. Like, $500 and a Rolex. It's not like... Maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't such a concept in the 90s to be like... And maybe, like, a record contractor will help you record your demo or something. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for otherwise, because he basically got, like... Shannon Nold by Eminem. Except Shannon Nold came second, didn't he? Exactly. Eminem came second. And look who's come out on top since. Yeah, but Guy Sebastian won. And Guy Sebastian's done better. No, but that's what I mean is like... Otherwise is the Guy Sebastian in this situation. Yeah. Oh, so he got Shannon Nold. Yes. So he... he yes, I get you now. So, so what you're saying is he won, but he's... In re- in reality, he's come in second. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like what like two thousand and five Canadian Idol, or whenever that was, that Carly Rae Jepsen was on, and she came third. Yeah, and it's like we don't know who else was in season whatever of Canadian Idol because oh. Carly Rae Jepsen won, and she didn't have to sign a stupid record contract. Although, according to this article that we've both been reading off how Eminem's loss at 1997 Rap Olympics ultimately led to Dr. Dre deal which was published on Hip Hop DX by Kyle Eustace um, last month I think 
I think Eminem might have, like, bought the footage of the rap battle so that no one saw it. Oh, that bad, huh? Um, which is very funny because, yeah. Um, who was saying that? Bear with me. It's kind of interesting because he was, like, it wasn't that long that, was it? I think it was, like, the first, his first album was, like, the Marshall Mathers LP or something. I can't remember. I'm trying to find that right now. And his Wikipedia article is so big. I think it was the Slim Shady EP, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been the Slim Shady EP. Uh, studio albums, Infinite, and then the Slim Shady LP. So Infinite came out in 96. Yep. And then the Slim Shady LP. LP or EP? L. Ah, okay. For limited press or whatever they're called. Long play, is Long it? play, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop talking about this because it's annoying me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, he's he's one that's uh, garnered so much controversy mm. over the years. His lyrics um, can be pretty woeful at times. Yeah. Uh, towards women, towards uh, anyone in the LGBTQIA plus sphere. Yeah. Spectrum. Um, he's copped a lot of criticism for that sort of thing. Um, one thing that I, that I did find that was like, I don't know if I enjoyed, but I found kind of interesting at the very least was that on December 8th, 2003, the United States Secret Service reported (laughs) that it was looking into allegations that Eminem threatened US President George W. Bush in his song, We As Americans an unreleased bootleg at the time with the lyrics, fuck money, I don't rap for dead presidents. I'd rather see the president dead. It's never been said, but I set precedents. Jesus. The incident was included in the video for Mosh as a newspaper clipping on a wall with articles about unfortunate incidents in Bush's career. Uh, in And also in 2018 to 19, the Secret Service once again <laughs> interviewed Eminem, Regarding threatening lyrics towards President Donald Trump and daughter Ivanka. I'm... It seems like he's on the right side of politics, at least. I mean, it's only the Republican presidents that he goes after. Yeah. Um... Although, I guess in that span of time, though, there's... I guess, like, he might come out in, like, a year or so and say something about Biden. Yeah, (laughs) true. It just seems like... It just seems like... And that... Because that was... 2018 to 19 was also when, like, I don't know, 50 Cent was flirting with putting on the MAGA hat. Jesus, yeah. Um, and, like, Lil Wayne was, like... Well, yeah, he would have had it on by then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I'm just going to... I'm going to really quickly go to him for a second and say, like, why wasn't he wearing that weird rubber mask three weeks ago when we had a Kanye episode? Or a yay episode. Uh, yeah. Back on to where we're talking about, what we're actually talking about though. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's just something like, I don't know. It's like, how seriously should entertainment be taken in terms of like, yeah, like he said something in a song and that's, that creates a whole lot of investigation and probably I, lots of, like, paperwork and shit that he had to deal with. Well, unfortunately, like, rightfully so. Mm. Like, 
I don't know, on this podcast, if I was like, hello, I would like to kill insert person here, why wouldn't I then? Insert person here, you better look out. I know, I'm fucking coming for you, but like, I think that's fair enough. Like, yeah. it's that same thing, like, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of consequences. Yeah. Like, had he, yeah, just because it might be dissing a president that we don't like... Yeah. Doesn't make it passable. And yeah. I'm not giving you a lecture, I'm just sort of thinking this out loud. Like And that's why I said like I don't find it enjoyable, I just found it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But no, absolutely as a public figure who has like whether he wants it or not, has influence over his fans. Yeah. Absolutely they should investigate that kind of shit. Yeah. Um Yeah. I don't know. That like taking a step back from that, it's like, but why do we have like these institutions that police people and like that's bad but like i'm just looking at the bare bones i don't think it's a bad thing that someone was like whoa that's a bit mm. <laughs> taking it a bit far there bud um because eminem is very good at pushing the envelope as it were yeah i think also like but like you say something you say something like that but like i don't know maybe you know like the skinhead punk bands and that sort of thing should also be oh they should thoroughly be. thoroughly investigated for probably spewing like just hate speech no and that's yeah mm. like the, yeah i don't quite know how to word it but basically like, like that yeah it should be an equal playing field i think i think you did say it correctly though in that freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's exactly how it is. Like, you can say what you want, but, like, you can also lose your job over it or lose privileges over it or, you know, go through a difficult process over it. Like, if it's going to be something damaging. Yeah. And if you're going to say something, like, that is regarded as hate speech. I'm also, like, just, just incredibly under... I don't even have the words. I, I'm not the person to really talk about this. Yeah, neither am I. I just want everyone to get along. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't want skinheads and Nazis to be coming back. I just wish everyone loved each other. And I don't. I don't have the words to to sort of talk about anything more deeper than that at the moment. Yeah, I also. This is a happy space where, as much as I use it to whinge about things, I would prefer not to talk about. Nazis on this podcast because they can go fuck themselves. Yeah, punch a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, so you've asked the question: How did Eminem feature in our childhood? Yes. Uh, featured a little bit in mine. Yeah. Like I had the Marshall Mathers LP and the was it the Slim Shady show? The Eminem show. The Eminem show. Fuck! I'm so bad at this. Ah. Oh. Who would have thought that it's been 109 episodes? Mm. Um, I was not the kid, though, that bleached my hair <laughs> piss yellow. Piss yellow. But there were so many kids in my <laughs> high school that did. Um, Mum didn't love Eminem, but she also didn't know when I was listening to Eminem. But it was... So I had the Dr. Dre album 2000. Yep. Which she really didn't like me right. listening to. Um and she was she was concerned that I was going to become violent listening to rap. 
Um, How old were you, sorry? Yeah, like 12. I'm just picturing... 12 to 13. 12-year-old Sam just sitting there like a nerd listening to D12. Yeah, and just not understanding like any of the sexual stuff. (laughs) Your mum in the kitchen just like stressing over it like, oh no, I'm losing my son. Like she's... My beautiful boy. (laughs) She's had these moments where like... She'll see, she gets kind of reactionary a little bit. I love it. If you're listening, mum, I love you. I love you to death. You're my mum and I love you and I would die for you. But she would like. Spoken like a true criminal. Yeah. She would watch something on like 60 Minutes about the ice epidemic. Oh no. And she would come into my room. She'd be like, I just watched 60 Minutes about ice. (laughs) You You would never do that, would you, Samuel? You're not, you're not doing it, are you? And I'm like, at, at what point am I leaving this house to go do ice, <laughs> mum? At what point? I know that, like, she didn't want me playing video games, but I don't think she necessarily wanted me to go out to parties as well. So it's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my Friday nights? Just jog around the Oval do a star times. jumps. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Be listening to some good, wholesome fucking joe cocker some light calisthenics (laughs) and then go to bed yeah so i i had these albums look i got a little bit into rap i I think think, we all did we were the right age for it i think i had maybe like five or six cds like i had those two m&m cds i had dr dre 2000 i had buster rhymes genesis i think it was called Mm -hmm. with the song break your neck on it yeah uh and I had a Jay-Z album. Which one? I don't remember. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's like the most interesting one out of the lot to me. I will I will look into it. And like, but like a lot of the, the new metal yeah. was getting into rap, like Limp Bizkit. Like well, rap rock. Like we were the... Linkin Park. Yeah. Excuse me, I need to cough. <coughs> um, yeah, I... I, I was going to say while I'm looking this up, I'll ask you how did Eminem feature in your? I was just gonna childhood. answer it anyways. Yep. Um, he definitely was big at the right time for me. Yeah, like to the point where like I think he was in like Girlfriend magazine or Dolly magazine. Like interesting facts you might not know about Eminem, mm. and like Eminem used to read the dictionary when he was a kid, and I was like, oh, cool. I'll read the dictionary too. Like Man after your own heart. <laughs> I know, just a total wordsmith. And like he absolutely is. It's just yeah. he's also quite horrible at times. Um Like, from looking into it, like it does seem like he's I don't know, like he should still be we should still talk about the things that he said in the past, but he also like we talked about it off mic. Like he said recently like oh, i you know i don't care if you whoever you love like you deserve like talking about gay marriage yeah it's like he's for it but at the same time like he said whoever you love you deserve to be miserable with them for the rest of your life which is a real cop-out way of well it's just that classic thing of like yeah i don't care about um like don't mind if gay people get married because they deserve to hate their partners as well and they get to 
get divorced too because I marriage, hate my wife. Because like, marriage, it's a jail sentence. It's just that classic, like, hetero, like, I hate my wife culture. It's like, just fuck off. Yeah. Sorry, I did I did step on your toes, so I'll let you go back into talking about... No, no, you go. How, ...how Eminem featured in your life. No, no, I was talking about when I cut in before. Have you found the album? No, I have not found the album yet. <sighs> okay. Um, I... I'm almost certain I've already said this on pod, but I don't care. Um, I remember getting the single for Without Me and being tangibly stressed at the concept of like that explicit language warning yeah. on the front and just being like, oh no, like someone's going to arrest me for buying this. Like yeah. I think mum bought it for me, but like it was Target in Shepparton. Like I think a bloody like... Probably like a fourteen-year-old on the cash register who could not give a shit. Well, that's and like some tween, like kid, rocking up. They probably would not have been like, "Ah, oh, where are your parents?" Like they would have just yeah. been like, "I do not get paid enough to care about this." Here's your stupid CD. But um, yeah, yeah like I remember enjoying his singles. I never got like super into his catalog, but like my friend had the Eminem show. So I listened to that a bit just through her. And then like eight mile was sick. Like he was just that pop culture icon that was around at the right time. But again, like he just, yeah, like he's that kind of per like my relationship with him is sort of equivalent to like that uncle where you just like, when I was younger, I thought they were pretty cool. But the yeah. older I get, like they're just a, yeah. Real dickhead. And you don't real you don't realise at the time like the things that they say are really yeah. problematic. And then you're like you go, Oh, wait a sec. Yeah. Cause like he really oh. is a master of his craft. It's just Jesus, like he has trod on so many toes. Yep. By virtue of being Eminem. And it's just like fucking hell, dude. Like Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Sorry, the Jay-Z album was Volume 2, Hard Knock Life. Sick. So, there you go. Uh, I think that was released in 1998. Oh, wow. Like, I don't know if it was... Like, I'm sure it was probably all throughout, like, America and that sort of thing. But, like, he was a real... And you touched on this. Like, he was a real cultural icon over here. And especially in places like Shepparton and in mm. places like, you know, down in Rosebud and Rye. Disenfranchised white kids who were bored and want to be tough. Yeah, and 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 can like have ready access to bleach. Yeah. And so there were so many kids. I think and I like those ball bearing necklaces. Oh, hundred percent like big, <laughs> big shirts and wallet bigger chains. pants. And I had a wallet chain, so watch out. <laughs> uh, but just like, and none of them knew what the fuck he was talking about. Unless you had an older brother, which I did, but like, you know, I didn't But ask. he probably didn't even fucking know. Like, oh, he would have pretended he did, but... At 16. He, yeah, but there's, uh, there's a difference between knowing what something means and knowing the implications. Oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if I asked him, like, what does it mean when they say come? Like, he would tell me what that yeah. would have meant, because he was 18 at the time. Um... But yeah, just so many, like, I think I went to school, like, in my grade in year seven, I think there were, like, just in my grade, not my year level, but my grade, there were, like, four or five kids <laughs> with the short, bleach blonde <laughs> hair. And this was because the Slim Shady show 
Is that what it's called? No, the M&M the M&M show. The M&M show. <laughs> the M&M show came out that year. Yes. And so, like, it was just, it was huge. It exploded. Yeah. And and then, like, not long after, 8 Mile came out. So, like, yeah. he kept his momentum going with that. And, look, 8 Mile's a good movie. It is a good movie. It is a very good movie. Doesn't your dad like 8 Mile? Uh, no. No? I thought I, I thought I heard somewhere that, like, your dad, or obviously somewhere from you, that your dad liked 8 Mile. <laughs> I like the idea that someone who is not me might have potentially, like, gossiped to you that my dad likes 8 Mile. Oh, it was Richard. Richard told me that your <laughs> dad likes 8 Mile, so... Um, but yeah. no, I liked 8 Mile, so dad probably did watch 8 Mile when yep. I watched it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it was just such a cultural moment. Like you said, there was like that one-two punch of like album movie. Yeah. And it was like surprisingly, and like it's kind of weird that he's never sort of gone off to do more, but like he's all right in it. Like I guess he's playing himself so it's easy. Yeah. R.I.P. Brittany Murphy. I know. As well, which is very sad. Um, But yeah, it's, it was very much a product of its time. And yeah. like, yeah, for better or for worse, like for worse in the sense that Eminem and his music and, like, the themes or, like, thematic content, all that kind of stuff, like, I was drinking that shit up without thinking about what it meant. And mm. so then you get older and you go, oh, my God, like, yeah, just when you grow up in a small town and you don't have access to the internet like kids do these days and you can't educate yourself on what is okay and what is not okay and why. Yeah. And you just sort of take it as, like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. this guy's singing about it, it must be funny, and yeah. it's very much not. Um, Just like, I, I, I have not listened to an Eminem album since I was about 13. Once once I delved into punk, it was basically, yeah. like, the attitude amongst, like, all the other people that were listening to punk was, you can't listen to rap anymore. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I, I abandoned that. But, like, if I listen to some of those early albums, and I don't know if he still does the skits in later albums, but, like... yeah. Those skits are just horrendously homophobic. Yeah. And it's like, God, I can't listen to that. It's, yeah, like... <sighs> Not aged well. No. No. Um, and, yeah, just a product of a very different, like, the sort of American Pie era and, like, mm. all, like... And it's, yeah, it doesn't make it okay, but it was what it was. Mm. Um, I think, like, for me, it was sort of... Like, I listen to his stuff here and there every now and then because I can appreciate the musicality of it. But, yeah, there's definitely, like, moments of full-body cringe. Like, even just the extent to which he will outline in detail. Like, I hate my ex-wife so much, I'm going to do this, this, and this to her. And it's just like, fuck's sake, dude. Like, well, think of like the, go see a therapist. Think of, like, the last verse in Stan. Like, yeah. I, I, think, I think for, like, country kids or, like, I say myself, I put myself in that category, even though it's not technically country, but like how like kids in towns that are, that it's like isolated from the city. Yeah. Like he also, I feel there were a lot of sort of almost like a crossover with kids getting into metal as well. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. In, especially in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Cause he does have that very, he's very angry. And he yeah. has that oh, yeah. he has that very like rough around the edges kind of voice, and like the music itself is is kind of like the 
like the tunes are quite dark and heavy and of course the lyrical content as well so like i feel like the other person who was who was inspiring a lot of boys and some girls around my area was marilyn manson of course yeah and so like what's easier to get the dot i like the dot eye contact or bleach well it's bleach (laughs) so you had more m&m people but like marilyn manson was also inspiring a lot of young goths around my area and, and who would have thought in 2021 uh m M&M would be smelling a lot better than his rose would be smelling a lot better than marilyn manson's yep um even if kanye west is trying to make marilyn manson relevant again uh my parting comment on the whole m&m thing before we start talking about the actual song is the only thing funnier than like kids who bleached their hair like piss yellow was redheads who dyed their hair black. Oh, yeah. And then they'd get the regrowth. Yeah. Like red- <laughs> yeah, but, all, like, but like... And it would look sort of greenish, kind and of. And also depended if you had the freckly Yeah, 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 yeah. As well as like uh, just a really, <laughs> a, a pale kid with like, yeah, like ginger freckles all over their face, but with like black hair that was only good for like maybe a week before it started to grow and out then or the, fade out and then the regrowth happened and the regrowth was always just that real sort of it's like this putrid color between brown and gray and <laughs> i say that as like a fat kid with red cheeks who also dyed her hair black but my saving grace was that it grew in dark brown so I yeah had a you're not a like... redhead <laughs> no 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 I've offense got that going for <laughs> no offense to the redheads <laughs> but you can put that on your resume not a redhead. <laughs> it reminds me of the closing line of um, a something corporate song, If You See Jordan. <laughs> the last line is, I don't care if you dye your hair, you'll always be a little redhead bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a pale kid who dyed his hair black, so. We all were pale kids who dyed our hair black, I think. Oh, I grew up on the, I grew up around the beach, so like there were a lot of tanned kids as well, but. <laughs> Not Sammy. Nah, not me. You were too busy doing calisthenics. Yeah. Too busy doing kickflips in my dreams and on Tony Hawk, but not in real life. Tell me about the song, please. Why don't you tell me about the song? Because I did the Eminem facts. Fucking hell. All right. So, Love the Way You Lie was the second single from Eminem's 2010 album, Recovery. And was written by singer-songwriter Skylar Gray, who recorded a demo of the song alongside producer Alex DeKid. Fucking nice. Uh, so Alex DeKid produced the likes of Aeroplanes by B.O.B. featuring Hayley Williams, uh, Coming Home by Diddy, and Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Um, so Skylar Gray wanted to write a song that reflected her abusive relationship with the music industry. Um, I think she did also mention, like, at the time where she was really struggling with her role in the industry, she did also have an ex or, like, a partner who was not physically abusive but was just, like, a piece of shit. So, like, the two sort of coalesced, I guess. Yeah. Um, But needless to say, Eminem and Rihanna used it more to describe their own abusive relationships. So Rihanna joined the collaboration as she related to the themes of the song. Um, as we've just mentioned, she and Eminem had both been in difficult relationships on opposite ends of the table. 
so it has been speculated that to Rihanna, the song reflects the fallout of her relationship with Chris Brown. I did look it up. I'm not too sure. Like, like I, looking on his Wikipedia page, Eminem's had a lot of altercations with men, mm. um, but I couldn't really find if like what what his abusive relationships were like. I suspect it was just with his ex-wife Kim. Like, they probably had a very quote messy relationship mm. as depicted in the music video. Mm. Um which is directed by American filmmaker Joseph Kahn, who has done a bunch of Taylor Swift songs. So he did Look What You Made Me Do, among others, for the Reputation Era. Um, he <laughs> also did Lonely No More by Rob Thomas, which is an absolute banger of a song. Fuck yeah, you did. I owned that on CD single. So good. <laughs> um, and Joseph Kahn also wrote and directed the film Detention, which is fucking sick. And shout out to... Friend of the pod, Richard S. He, for pointing that one out to us. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So the music video features actors Dominic Monaghan and Megan Fox portraying a dysfunctional couple. Uh, Joseph Kahn wanted Megan for the clip, but was doubtful she would appear in it due to her popularity. However, Megan was a huge Eminem fan at the time and was only happy to comply. I'm sure she got paid for it, but it's, uh, by the way I wrote it, it sounded like she just did it for nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you think she still is a huge Eminem fan, considering <laughs> her, her her boo is uh, not really uh, in Eminem's good graces? No, uh, her beau, Machine Gun Kelly, who apparently his first words to her was, I am weed. Um... <laughs> He His said, first words to Megan Fox should have really just been, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I know. Um, are any of us worthy, honestly? Um, yeah, he said some pretty foul stuff about Eminem's daughter Haley when Haley was still a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And he and Eminem have just had like an ongoing beef to the point where like I think... They each, like, release, like, their own singles to, like, battle it out with each other. But I'm pretty sure that it ended with Machine Gun Kelly releasing one, which was basically like, yes, okay, okay. Like, I get it. It basically ended with Machine Gun Kelly leaving rap. And starting a pop punk. I mean. (laughs) Project. (laughs) Yeah. Which which has then made Corey Taylor of Slipknot upset. Oh, because because Corey Taylor of Slipknot is going to get upset. Yes. Um, but Machine Gun Kelly got bottled at a recent concert. He's such a fucking shithead. But also, Tickets to My Downfall bangs. Like, that's such a good album. Would you get tickets to Tickets to My Downfall? Absolutely, I would. And I would just treat that as like a write-off concert where like, I'm not there to make memories. I'm there to just... So you'd get blackout drunk. Probably not because like brown one, out drunk. No, like one glass of wine is enough to make me feel ill for like <laughs> the next twenty four hours. But um, I would just go along just to see the spectacle of it because nobody hypes Machine Gully, Machine Gully, Machine Gun Kelly the way that Machine Gun Kelly hypes Machine Gun Kelly. Machine, we'll watch Fern Gully with Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly in Fern Tree Gully, and then shoot ourselves with a machine gun. <laughs> So, yeah, like, it's, uh... But no, mm. to answer your question, <laughs> I don't think that Eminem and Megan Fox are BFFs these days. <laughs> um, But, God, I love Megan Fox. Just, 
I was saying to you earlier, like, Jennifer's Body is just such a good movie. I don't, like... That, to me, is in line with, like, detention for how campy it is and yeah. how silly, but I yeah. just love it so much. Yeah. Um, it knows 100% what sort of film it is. Yeah. And I guess, like, that's how I also feel about, like, me- Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly's relationship. Like, mm. they're both hot. Like, who cares? Just yeah. let them be disgusting. Yeah. They're not hurting anyone by, like, simping over each other. And I'll say this, they look very happy together. They do. Like, if they love each other, then who the fuck cares? Let let people love each other. Yeah. Love, love. And it's just like, yeah, um, I don't know. Everyone just sort of being like, oh my god, they're so cringe. Like, Megan Fox posting about, like, we stayed at this lovely Airbnb and this table has seen some things. <laughs> but it's just like... Yeah, so they're, they're that couple that overshares. It's like, well, good for them. They boned. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, it was probably fucking hot. Like, <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. Like, I reckon they would be a smelly couple, though. I reckon he was probably smelly before dating her, and good then point. she was like, you gotta shower every day. More like Machine Gun I'm Smelly. smelly. <laughs> fuck um yeah i reckon i reckon he probably was the sort of like i'll shower every second day type of person or i'll wash myself with crystals and she was like no you're not you won't yeah like he's definitely punching above his weight but also he is quite good looking as well like in a stinky sort of way um also while we're talking about it congrats to travis barker for getting engaged to um Kendall Jenner, I think. One of the Jenners. I thought you were going to say for getting on a plane. Oh, and also that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bigger congrats, I guess, is to Mark Hoppus for beating cancer. I know! It's just good news all round. Yeah. Um, how... I'm, I'm wildly transitioning, but, like, how do you think Mark Hoppus, like... Where does Mark Hoppus... Where, where is Mark Hoppus's place in, like, the Travis Barker... Uh, now Kendall Jenner, like, like if he goes over there, like, what's what's that like? I guess it's the same Mark Hoppers who got Skeever as a hired gun to replace Tom, like. No, but that's different. Like, is it though? Yeah, because he's because it's like the Jenners are involved. Well, not involved, but like, I don't know. I'm just imagining like, I'm just imagining Travis Barker is like Thanksgiving is coming up in America. It's at Travis's house, and of course he's going to invite Mark. And so, like, Mark Hopper's sitting at the table with uh, Kendall Jenner, Kylie Jenner. Uh, Let me just check which one it is. No, it's a Kardashian, isn't it? It's not a Jenner. Mm. I thought it was... It Wait. was... Is yeah. it Chloe Kardashian? Wait, Courtney Kardashian. Courtney Kardashian. That's very funny. Okay, Courtney. <laughs> I see, like... Because that would be that would be kind of icky if he was dating one of the Jenners. Words cannot describe how little I care about the Kardashians and yeah. the Jenners. Yeah. All I care about is that Travis Barker is like living his best life. Or is or is Mark just always quote unquote busy when Travis is like, <laughs> oh yeah, Courtney's gonna come around. Do you want like I really want you I really want you two to get along. I very much suspect that Mark is like that friend who very like he. Like, you know how, like, everyone has that one friend who has, like, a bunch of different friendship circles? Yeah. And so, like, they... I can't quite tell which side of the equation he's on. Like, I feel like Mark has, like, a solid 
couple of friend groups that he frequents, as opposed to, like, Travis, who's just fucking friends with everyone. Yeah. And so I feel like Mark probably does just sort of see him for, like, business only. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, no, sorry, I've already got dinner plans. Like, It'd be funny if, like, their only, like, discussion was just, like, because I don't imagine Travis being the talkative type. <laughs> Just, like, these really minimal, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> You've been saying that ever since we were Blink 12. Blink 12. And then, like, I don't know, if Travis acts out, Mark will just threaten to bring Tom back into the band. See, but no, because this is the thing. Is like, oh, wait, no, I tell a lie. I was going to say, because, like, Mark and Travis are the ones that, again, like how in every friend group there's, like, that one friend who is better friends with the other two yeah. than the other two are friends with each other. Like, Travis yeah. is that middle person. Yeah, because... Because he was in Plus 44 with Mark, and then he was in Box Boxcar Car Racer with Tom. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Travis just doesn't... Like, I think Travis is just fine for friends. Like, he has that many friends that he wouldn't particularly care if Mark was like, oh, sorry, I'm going to fucking go skiing in Aspen with... Skiba. <laughs> Sure. Skiing with Schema. I, I just like to imagine that Travis is so softly spoken that when Mark and Tom were arguing and fighting and like fussing and feuding, that like he's trying to sort of like, oh, no, wait, guys, no, we're brothers. We shouldn't be doing But like they can't hear him. So I then genuinely that, then cannot he... tell you what he sounds like as no, a human. No, I just know that, hey, we've been saying that since Blink 12. Yeah. But... <laughs> so a sequel to this song. Love the Way You Lie. Which we'll pick up towards the end of this episode as well. Was released in 2010. Now with Rihanna in the lead role and Eminem in the supporting spot. So the song charted number one on the Aria charts and number one in Austria, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Ireland, Italy, New Zealand, Poland, UK and the US, just to name a few. Not bad. Yeah, I had to speed run that because it was going to take me a while to get through all of that. Uh, what do you think of this song? I really like it. I remember I really liked it at the time. Yep. And, like, to the point where, like, I distinctly remember trying to look up part two when I was aware that it existed, but it might have been, like, announced but not yet available kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I guess, like, my main beef with it is just, again, like... 11 years down the line, I sort of look at it and go, Jesus Christ, that's bleak. Like, it's just that very sort of... I guess the subject matter is, though. And that's... And, yeah, that's the thing is, like, obviously I can't really get upset with that because, like, they're singing from some kind of experience. But it's just... It's that same sort of feeling I get when I hear, like, angry men screaming and, like, grandstanding Mm. is it really fucking bums me out to hear Eminem carrying on and on and on about, like, and then I'm going to fucking set fire to you and then I'm going to do this other horrible thing because we're just so broken but we love each other. It's just like, that's not a healthy dynamic. But we won't leave each other. And I get that that's the whole point. I get that it's playing up that sort of very Hollywood-esque kind of star-crossed lovers or, like, sort of fatalistic, like, I love you so much, but I can't live with you or without you or whatever the fuck. And it's just like, 
or you could break up and focus on yourselves and ultimately be happier in a few years time yeah and like the film clip the film clip does like a very sort of hollywood interpretation that, of yeah. domestic abuse and that's the thing is like we really do not need any more material romanticizing domestic abuse. Yeah, which I, I I forgot to mention when you discussed the film clip. Uh, the male lead Dominic Monaghan was one of the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he played Pippin. Oh my! Goodness. So it's like Pippin and Jennifer. Yeah, Pippin and Jennifer. <laughs> um, <laughs> he should have been in full Hobbit gear. <laughs> That would have made it more palatable to me, at least. He should have been, like, looking up at her as he's yelling. (laughs) And she could still spit in his face. Jesus. (laughs) Like. Because, like, it is. It's it's, it's just sort of like a lot of, like, sort of walking out of rooms, yelling, throwing stuff. Again, it's just that very sort of, like, Kurt and Courtney, Sid and Nancy, like. Yeah. Those people shouldn't be role models for your relationship because they just epitomise... What happens when two people are too young to understand that what they're doing is bad for both of them? Yeah. Not even just for themselves. And it's just, like, there's a line in here, I think, at some point about, like, but no, I'm not going to go to therapy. It's either in this one or the second, like, part two. And it's just like, well, then... Why, though? Like, fuck's sake. I want to talk about my favourite line. Sure. You don't get another chance. Life is no Nintendo game. Uh, is Eminem the kind of parent that just assumes all video games are Nintendo? Turn off the Nintendo. Yeah. This is a computer, Dad. You're with your, playing your damn Nintendo all the time. Playing your Nintendo. Dad, this is the paper. I'm going to run my fist into the drywall. I'm so mad at you. I'm going to stand here and watch you burn. <laughs> just, it just... I don't know. I'll listen to that one. Did he just, did he actually just say no Nintendo game? <laughs> My favorite one is, um, and it's literally the next stanza or two after. So you don't get another chance. Life is no Nintendo game, but you lied again. Now you get to watch your leave out the window. Guess that's why they call it window pane. It's just, <laughs> I remember like, I'm dead. As much as I loved this song when it came out, I was like, that is the goofiest lyric I've ever heard in my life. Like, I think the only thing that, like, out-goofs it is Remembering Sunday by All Time Low, where they're like, but two eggs don't last, like, the feeling of what she needs. <laughs> and then, like, because like, it can't all be, it can't all be gold, but then, like, no. and then there's just, like, Rihanna giving it her all. Um, and, like, he's giving it his all, too, but it's just, like, that classic thing where, like, amongst all the nuggets of, like, good lyricism that Eminem does. Yeah. Because that's what he's known for. Like, there's just some really dumb shit. I just, I I think that when you're talking about domestic abuse and, like, being in an abusive relationship that you just can't get out of, the word Nintendo should never be used. Especially considering, like, my nerdy brain, when I think of Nintendo, I go straight to Super Mario. Mm-hmm. And I think of of that codependent relationship between Mario and Princess Peach. Yes, the ultimate uh, problematic relationship. Yeah. Dynamic. Yeah. And then the better relationship between Luigi and Princess Daisy. And Waluigi. And Waluigi. <laughs> Fucking gem of the person that is. Um, like, there's definitely, like, there's merit to this song because, like, part of it is sort of inward facing. Like, 
there is very much a push-pull between, like, I hate you, but also I hate myself for mm. the way I treat you. But it still doesn't resolve itself in a way that sort of validates the entire premise, I guess. Yep. At least for me, personally. And again, it's just... That thing, like, the same reason of, like, if you're going to say you hate the pre like, you want to murder the president or something, like, I know that you don't want to be a role model, but unfortunately you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff where I hope that he is talking to someone about it, because he has been singing this kind of shit for, like, decades now. You'd like to think that maybe now he's going to see a therapist. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, musically, I, I, I like that there's sort of, like, when he's rapping there's like the sort of like marching beat yeah to it. and then like when it's, it's very cool yeah when it's when it's rihanna singing it's like this sort of like very kind of pretty but like depressing melody yeah in, in the in the music uh, i think he's used the sort of marching beat before in in his stuff yeah definitely um like toy soldiers yep um had that there was another one on the slim shady the m&m show mm-hmm I got it right that time. Almost got it wrong. Slim Shady, the Eminem show. Slim Shady, the Eminem show. Yep, that was uh, the uh, t- 2000 and, and and whatever album. Um, there was a song on that that also had like the very like heavy marching beat. Um, yeah. Which, I don't know, I feel like it goes quite well with his sort of little angry. Well, it's very... Like, I can't quite pick... Like, it's very just quintessential, like, Americana to me, yeah. in a sense. Because he doesn't have that like, urban roots purely just by virtue of, like... He lived a sort of similar experience to a lot of his peers, but also I imagine he got off a lot easier in some situations because he's not black, if that makes sense. So, like... To me, he doesn't capture that sort of urban like feel so much as he captures like a very like not stoic but like a very sort of militarized american sort of despondent like yeah vibe no i get that yeah um yeah like yeah like his experience still wouldn't be the same as as you said his peers yeah in that industry so to me like i just i immediately think of like Like, no. I want to say Confederate flag, but that's not correct. But, like, I'm just, like, I'm picturing, like, someone who wears, like, fucking monster, like, snapbacks and shit. Like, just, I don't know. I mean, and, like, I'm going back to the early 2000s with the clothes. Yeah. The, so, like, like, at my high school, the clothes that were hugely popular with all of the, the boys that were into rap were... Dada, Fubu, yeah, uh, Wu Tang, yeah. We called them Wu Tangers because we were so clever. We called them Wu Tangers, um, and like without, I think a lot of people call like wore Wu Tang without realizing Wu Tang was a group as well. Yeah, uh, and then they're like they, a lot of them did have their own clothing line. So like, like uh, Eminem had his own yeah, clothing line, and right. it, and it did very much sort of. It was sort of almost like the proto, like, tap out and yeah, famous stars and straps and that sort of thing. Like, he was very sort of like just suburban American male. 
I feel like there was, I feel like they've reached a point where every suburban American mum in her 30s loved Eminem. Yeah. 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 And that's not at all probably what he was going for, but. Well, he, he was very much aware, like much like Idris Elba, like very much aware of the effect he had on women, I guess. Yeah. Um, to the point where he'd rap about it, I think. <laughs> but yeah, like going back to the song, like. I think what I appreciated slash appreciate about it is that dynamic between, like, you've got Rihanna as, like, the sorrowful, like, gentle foil to yeah. them being very angry. Yeah. So, like, even though we don't quite know his past in terms of, like, relationships and that sort of, like, we know that he's had his contentious relationships, but, like, yeah, he he's the male, so he plays the... The, the aggressor. The aggressor in, in yeah. the role, and... And she's the victim, I guess. And again, it's one of those things where people could be like, oh, but women get aggressive too. But like, yes, but there's a reason why this is a trope. It's because it's Mm. so fucking common. Like, and even like when we talk about it a bit further down the line, like part two, where it's Rihanna taking the reins with Eminem doing a guest verse, I'd forgotten how aggressive he just sort of warps the song by the end if that makes sense yeah i'd always remembered it more as like he had a very brief sort of spot where he sort of comes in and is quite remorseful but again by the end of it he's like spitting bars and very angry yeah and i think that's what i continue to be uncomfortable about with his music is just how much male anger specifically directed at women and people who are marginalised. Yeah. Um, he carries. Yeah. And I know that's part of his persona, but also at some point, like, something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can I can sort of understand my mum's concerns when her, you know, 12-year-old son was listening to Eminem. Her skinny white son. Yeah, her skinny white boy. <laughs> uh, was listening to an older skinny white boy. Um yeah, no, I I don't really have much else to, to sort of touch on with that. That's all right. We can talk about the cover. Yeah. By a Skylit Drive. So, a Skylet Drive formed in 2005 from Lodi, California, and they unfortunately split in 2017. Shockingly, they met in high school. 
Uh, vocalist Michael Jagman has a countertenor singing range. The countertenor, countertenor vocal range for males is equivalent to that of the female contral, contralto or mezzo-soprano voice types. That all means absolutely nothing to me, but I'll take your word for it that it's impressive. I think it's a scientific term of... I think it's a scientific term for he has a good voice. He sing good. He sing good. He sing real good. Um, Me want money now. So what do you think of this cover? I'm going to surprise you now. What? Shock and discredit. No. I didn't mind it. Oh, what? Yeah. I'm going to shock you. I didn't mind it either. I knew you didn't mind it. Yeah, because I said it, didn't I? You did. Like... Again, like a Skylit Drive, I remember the name from like when I was a slightly elder, like emo in the scene. You were a veteran at that point. I was. I was hanging up my um, studded belt and I was rinsing the dye out of my hair. Starting to let the curls come back. I know. <laughs> Letting my was... hair thrive and then it turned grey very shortly after. Um, it's just It was in shock. It's just like, fuck you, I'm out. What did you do to me? Uh, <laughs> that's just my whole body at this point. What have you done? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I remember the name and they sound exactly like what I thought they would sound like. Yeah. But in saying that, um, yeah, like the front man, like Michael, his singing voice is incredible. Yeah. I love the harmonies that they do at the beginning. I can't remember if they're, like, woven throughout, but, like... You sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as the classic, like, I'm going to tell you what I really... Like, as much as that gives me the shits, they use it well. They use it as an instrument as opposed to just chucking it in and calling it a day. And it's very... I mean, they're doing... Those parts are over the Eminem parts, which is, yeah. which already starts off at an 11 in terms of anger. Yeah. So I feel like it's not, it's not taking the words of a Taylor Swift yeah. saying you belong with me and giving it a really sinister twist. It's just, it's just sort of amplifying his aggression, I guess. That's a really good point. Like I hadn't put two and two together, but I think that's why it makes sense to me is, mm. They're just, they're matching Eminem's anger and aggression. And so, yeah, like this checks out in my head. And it's, like, musically, it's a really tight cover as well. Yeah. Like, there's there's nothing sort of out of place, nothing that's kind of, like, sloppy about this. Um, It's just, it's, I don't know, it's just very crisp. Yeah, yeah. And, And, yeah, he has a, he has quite a, beautiful singing voice. I started off thinking, would have been kind of cool if they'd gotten a female to sing the Rihanna parts, but I'm not like by the end of it, I'm not mad that they didn't, especially considering like he was the singer. So like, of course that checks out. I also like, and this absolutely almost certainly wasn't intended, but like, I like that they have a vulnerable male voice yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the classic dynamic of, like, very angry man facing up against a woman who was being subdued by said anger. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, it's one of those things where, I don't know, 
depending on your audience, like it sort of queers the narrative a bit as well. I was, yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're that they're a queer band or anything like that, but you're right, like it does sort of, and in a way, it kind of not pisses Eminem off, but like sort of like sort of snubs your nose at him at the same time, yeah. like with all like the horribly crap shit that he said about you know queer people. Like, yeah, this to me is similar to why I appreciate when people just stick with the pronouns that exist in a song already because you really don't have to overcorrect these things. Yes. Um, it still carries the same weight. No one's looking at it and laughing at you for bringing a sort of feminine energy. Just like, that's a good thing. We yeah. need more of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is the correct thing to say, but sometimes girly shit is fun. Girls can have fun too, and and boys can enjoy the fact that girly stuff can be fun. As a girl, I agree. Thank you. I was hoping that I was hoping that that wasn't going to be like horribly misconstrued, or like taken taken wrongly. Um. I yeah. I I think because I'm so used to raging about this kind of like this is one of those rare examples that for me it adds up and it does justice to the original. Like, not in a way that I would necessarily listen to over and over again, yeah. but I very much appreciate it for what it is. And in this instance, you can sort of look at it and go, almost like a sigh of relief, like, I didn't hate it this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's a winner. Like, it can, it can work. But it's alright Cause I like the way it hurts But if you stand there and make me cry well, I don't mind Cause I love the way you lie I love the way you in the right context so moving on uh we've just finished the third season of the netflix show you we have uh and we're going to uh keep that thread going what's his name is it padge something the guy from Penn you badgley pen badgley padge padge <laughs> Hello, uh, this is my friend padge the the padge benley the the pen pen, pen padge Ken Badgley, yes, uh, from the show You, was also in a show called Gossip Girl. Just a little-known show. You might not have heard of it before, but um, and his little sister plays in a band called The Pretty Reckless, and she is basically just Zuma Courtney Love. Oh, she's Courtney Love Light. Yeah, yeah, but she's good at it. Yeah, yeah. so. so this is a, it's a cover of Love the Way You Lie plus, is it Islands? Islands by the XX. Islands by the XX. So, yeah, we mentioned that, what's her name? Uh, Taylor Mumsen. Taylor Mumsen is like Courtney Love Light. I, I say that and like, she has a very good rock persona and so like this is 
this is of course an acoustic song, but like when for a second I thought you meant Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I was like, no, she doesn't. Oh, she, that would kill it. She'd kill it. Uh, but like, so this is obviously a, an acoustic song, but when she, you know, when it's got the full like rock band, she's you know, she is a very talented rock singer. It's basically like the Pretty Reckless are basically like a whole sound alike. Kind of, but like... But the, a bit more chuggy. I, I guess like Hole were also like a, a I guess a girl group because they were all females, mm. whereas like she's the only female in the band. But, but like, I, I sort of, I take the Pretty Reckless to be like Taylor Momsen and the dudes. Like yeah. the nameless, faceless dudes. Taylor Momsen and the Pretty Reckless. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like she's not though going to have the issues that Courtney Love mm. had slash has, which is good. But anyway... uh. I I like this. I, I don't know Islands by the XX, but I like I like this version. I like she has quite a not unique voice, but like she does have the voice that very much. If I looked at her, like I look at her and go, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what your voice yeah, would sound like," yeah. and I'm not disappointed that that's what I'm hearing. I like it because, like, I'm not overly familiar with the XX, but I know enough about them that, like, they have covered issues in their music of, like, I think there's some of their songs that deal with, like, pretty thorny issues of, like, kind of abusive and that sort of thing. But it's a different... It's that more insidious kind of, like, very, like, mid-tempo sort of indie kind of treatment of it. Yeah. So it feels a bit more like of an undercurrent and then you sort of realise, oh fuck, this song is quite horrible. Yeah. And so it's interesting to have that treatment of what could potentially be construed as like domestic abuse or like an unhealthy dynamic against one that's very explicit. So like like the opening verse, I don't have to leave anymore because what I have's right here. Spend the nights and days before. I am yours now, so I don't ever have to leave. I am yours now. I am yours now. So, like, it's very much sort of this idea of giving up any sense of your own identity, like, and Mm. needing anything else because you're quite happy to be defined just by your relationship alone. And then you flip that over to Rihanna's verse in love the way you lie and it's just a very interesting contrast between the two yes like a bit of thought was put into yeah you know it's not just like oh well i think this would go like yeah i'm not gonna say mashup artists don't think about what they're doing because of course they do but like yeah like it feels like it goes beyond just oh yeah these have a very similar sort of yeah it's not like how can i get this like the singing here to match with this, with the beat of this song. Yeah. Or like these two songs have the same like beat, beats per minute. So let's put them together. It's how do I get the lyrics to go together? Yeah. How do I get the words to go together? And like, it could have been a fluke, but it feels like it's sort of considered. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they, they did that. Yeah. Purposefully. And like, I don't listen to the pretty reckless, but like, I remember the, first single like make me want to die and again like the dynamic is like i've never been good enough like it's Mm. just this sort of yeah very much like just making yourself like the lesser than in a relationship so like this feels very on brand for taylor and for the pretty reckless and it's good 
Good. The future seemed so bright. Then this thing turned out so evil. I don't know why I'm still surprised. Even angels have their wicked schemes. And you take that to new extremes. But you'll always be my hero. Even So, we have one more. We do. So, before we get into this cover, so we decided we would touch on Love the Way You Lie Part 2. Yep. Um, because it's good. Um, it's a good sort of counterbalance to the original. Yeah. Um, I don't love the intro or like no. the start to it. Yeah. And then it comes into... Well, it comes into the familiar, like... Just gonna yeah. stand there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't feel meandering, but it just sort of feels like it's waiting for the for the song to actually start a little to me. See, to me, I remember when I first heard it and sort of being kind of blown away by it because it does feel very much like in the aftermath of like... The mess of the first one. Oh, yeah. Sort of looking back on the relationship, perhaps. I can see that. Like, just that very sort of defeated sound, like, just sort of, like, Rihanna's, again, that classic vocal treatment where, like, she doesn't have to try very hard to get a lot of mileage out of her vocals. Like, that very much works in her favour here as she's opening the song, I guess. And, like, yeah, on the first page of our story, the future seemed so bright then this thing turned out so evil, I don't know why I'm so surprised. Like, it's pretty stunning mm. to me, at least. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting listening to Skylar Grey's demo because it's this version of the song yeah. that she does. Yeah, part two. Um, and according to Genius, um, Genius.com, the lyric website. You're a genius as well. Oh, stuff it. Um, yeah, I will like. Not. <clears throat> so Rihanna stated in an interview with MTV that initially she was very against recording this. Um, she said, "When I first heard the idea about doing a part two, I was just completely against it. I just felt like you couldn't beat the original. There's no way you can outdo that. So why compete with it?" But then she continued that when she heard the original demo as sung by Skylar Grey, like, it sort of made sense. Yeah. She was like, well, yeah, of course. Um, and, yeah, it's, again, like, just the way that she treats it, like, having her in the driver's seat is just a really interesting counterpoint to having her just as a guest verse. Yeah. Like, it gives the woman a bit more agency Yeah, in the relationship that's being discussed in the two songs. Yeah. Um, but then I guess for me, like I said, then fucking Eminem rolls in in verse three and just... Bruce dro- the third. And just drives it off the road. I think this is the one where it says about therapy. Um, oh, okay. Let me have a look. 
But it's just, yeah, it's like, try and touch me so I can scream at you not to touch me. Run out of the room and I'll follow you like a lost puppy. Babe, without you I'm nothing. I'm so lost. Hug me. Then tell me how ugly I am, but that you'll always love me. And it's just like, gee. Those are, those are just like lyrics from any emo band from the early to mid 2000s though. Like, and so like, I guess that's why it works. And then it turns violent. Like, well, fuck you. You won't love me. So I'm going to kill you because it's my right to. Yeah. Oh, here it is. So, um, together we'll live forever. We found the youth fountain. Our love is crazy. We're nuts, but I refused counseling. This house is too huge. If you move out, I'll burn all 2,000 square feet of it to the ground. Ain't shit you can do about it. Because with you, I'm in my fucking mind. Without you, I'm outed. That's really specific, 2,000 square feet. <laughs> it is. but it, And it's just that, like... And this is sort of a perfect example of, like, why that sort of macho energy puts me off is like this song is very beautiful like to be fair i hate the bridge of it there's just something about it it doesn't sit right with me it seems sort of dialed in yeah but then eminem comes in and basically is like if you don't take me back i will kill myself and it'll be all your fault Mm. and it's just like jesus mate like which again it could be that thing like i'm sure a lot of i'm sure a lot of women who are in abusive relationships have heard that from their partner. And that's the thing is like, that's what makes it so upsetting to me is like, it's drawing on experience. Yeah. But to me, it's, yeah, I like, I'm sure that Eminem in doing these two songs, like he's not doing it to sort of weaponize his art against people. No, no. But also, it still perpetuates a very dangerous narrative, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you can put a whole lot of subtext in what you're saying, but, you know, regular people are going to read what's on the surface. Yeah. And take that at face value. But on a more positive note, um, I remember you noted to me that you couldn't really find like any just cut and dried pop punk covers of love the way you lie but that you found a pretty decent one of part two and then i completely derailed that conversation and showed you the future idiots I, I didn't say it was a decent cover. I ah, said it was just a cover of part two. I stand corrected. <laughs> so, 
Instead of that cover that you mentioned, and I cannot remember who it was. Oh, something with it, with the word king in it. So, you know, it's probably not problematic at all. Um, I am king or something. So, yeah, the last cover that we'll leave you on today is by a band called Future Idiots, who formed in 2005 in Sweden. Nice. Um, their musical influences include Blink-182... The Offspring, Green Day, Social Distortion, No Effects, No Use for a Name, Bad Religion, Bowling for Soup, Foo Fighters, and Avenged Sevenfold. You're from Sweden, and Mill and Colin and Refused are not two of your influences. Get out of here with that. And so I think they've got like some of their own stuff, but they are probably best known for doing extensive sort of. Essentially, they're doing their own brand of Pump Goes albums. Um, And so the one I mentioned to you was, it goes under the name of Neighbourhoods and Morning Woods. (laughs) Um, Making Tom proud. Which they, it's basically just a full length cover of Neighbourhoods by Blink 182. Yeah. Except they do it more in like a classic sort of enema type style. Yeah, okay. Um, and then on top of that, they've also done, um, one of their albums is called Grand Theft Audio, I think, which is what this cover is on. Okay. And again, it's just covers, just very, very straightforward, cut and dried pop punk, but there's a reason why it's so good. Maybe on, when we finally do some Patreon stuff, their stuff might be... Uh, special episodes. I, I think we should. I would like to inf- influence them, interview them and ask, why not Mill and Colin and Refuse? <laughs> why not Mill and Colin? But, yeah, like they... So, yeah, they've done Grand Theft Audio in 2010. Then they did Grand Theft Audio 2 in 2011. They've done a tribute album to Alkaline Trio. They've done an Ooh. album called Ghost Heavy Metal. So... Yep. You can understand where they got the influence for the name. Yep. Um, like it's just, yeah, I, I just, I like their energy. Like, it's very much falls into like gimmicky sort of yeah. me first pop punk that kind of thing. But I don't care. They do capture that sound of like early two thousands pop punk. Like yeah, that just very sort of scrappy. Uh, kind of nature to it. it it i will say one thing and i guess if you can't hit it you can't hit it but there is something lacking if you can't hit that high note that rihanna does in yeah. they're just gonna stand here and watch me burn i'm not gonna even try it because it's not gonna be good and if you can't do it you can't do it but like stand stand anyway that would have sounded exactly the same but that was both of us doing that i know which one which one did what who knows we won't reveal that secret <laughs> but yeah like Besides that, though, like it's it's just a skanking good time. Also, their drummer goes by the name Big Mac. <laughs> nice, fuck yeah, Big Mac, fuck yeah. Um, so this is cute. So Future Idiots was founded at their local home school in Clippan as part of a project under the moniker Rickshaw Riders. Um, what does they mean? What do they mean by local home school? Are they all brothers? Or just probably local school. Oh, like, I oh, think this is translated from... Um, from Swedish to yeah. English. Oh, so, like, probably, like, homeroom. Or just their, or school. Lo- their, their school. school. Yeah, all right. Like, their the school. school in their hometown. Yeah, yeah all right. 
I'll, um, stop, I'll stop looking too far into it. <laughs> a few times later, they mm. renamed the band to Future Idiots. Um, the band came up with the name after a teacher at school asked them about their future career plans. As they responded with their vision of being future professional musicians, the teacher replied, you'll be future idiots. Oh, that's so good. So, Fucking got them. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for that teacher, we would not have Neighbourhoods and Morningwoods. But yeah, I remember thoroughly enjoying Neighbourhoods and Morningwoods back in the day, by which I mean a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. But it's just, it, like, I think I like them because they have a very fully formed vision of what they're doing with the band. Yeah. Like... Yeah. They know who they are. They know what their sound is. And it's... Yeah, it's Enema of the State Era Blink. Yeah. Which, like, who doesn't want to hear this this song sung in, you know, this style? Like, of course. So... (laughs) This is terrible. Um, This is... Chaotic. So Future Idiots wanted their version of Neighbourhoods to sound like the old albums by Blink-182, as we've mentioned. So Mark Hoppus was asked in an interview at some point what he thought of the album, and he answered that he already has listened to it and that he liked it very much. But then the album was met with a mixed response from Blink fans, with one threatening by email to kill members of Future Idiots if they ever played in Bakersfield, California. I love that they specified threatened by email. I know. What was the subject? Going to kill you if you come to Bakersfield, California. Oh. And then, the, and then the, the actual like email just says, per subject. <laughs> per my email. But like, Jesus Christ. And then the last paragraph is very delightful. Um, when they released their sixth album, which was self-titled... Um, they celebrated at the best Western hotel in their hometown of Clippan. Oh, Clippan. <laughs> I'm so, just going to say this. I'm going to make a statement and say, if you're so passionate about something that when something maybe challenges it, yeah, that your immediate thought is, I'm going to tell this person that I'm going to kill them, you need help. And also, if that's your reaction, then you're obviously not that big of a fan because you're not giving, like, I really hate that thing of like, oh, but like, they strayed so far from the path, I hate it so much, ew, like. Then listen to the original, sorry. But also that's part of, like, it reminds me of like when a band sort of has a pivot in their sound and everyone's like, oh, gross, like, that's valid, but also you need to give that the benefit of the doubt, as it were, like. If you just sort of poo-poo something immediately, then what kind of fan are you that you're not letting an artist grow or experiment? Yeah, and like you're, we should allow people to change yeah. if they want to as well. And if you know, you're fine with a lot of bands when you know it's founded by teenagers. Yeah, but funnily enough, when they get to like their mid twenties, they're not into things like metal and not into things like pop punk and that sort of thing. And it's like, well, no, we can't let you change, though. You can't just enjoy what you already have. You have to belittle everything in the future as well. Mm. I don't know. Uh, like, I don't belittle these songs, though. I give them both a hell yeah. Yes, hell yeah's all round. Um, and also... If anyone out there hates this podcast so much that they want to kill us... Bring it on. <laughs> I was going to say... I'm not going to fight you. I'll just, I'm just 
do. Uh, yeah, I was going to go for like something along the lines of yeah, same, but also no. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting to get an email from the punk into the punk goes email, like saying if you come into this apartment, I'm going to kill you, and it's going to be from you. <laughs> uh, if you if you keep fucking meandering with your words, I'm going to kill you. It'll be from boss. I will kill. Oh, I already know he's going to kill me. Um, let's stop talking about killing people because it's not nice. No. And we're probably on a list by now. Just don't do it. Well, you know, we're on the list of just don't do it. Just don't say it. It's not nice. They're people. They're people, people. This has been the pod. This has been Love the Way You Lie.